One of the most important things you can do, of course, in life is to discover why you're here. What a, what a tragedy to run your life and to get the end of your life, didn't know why you were here and what you should have done. So, you, so for you, life is an experiment. If you don't know the purpose that God's created you for, life is just one big experiment. Try this, try this, try this. Oh, I like that. I didn't like that. Oh, I was sick after that. We don't want to have that kind of life. And so uh, I want to just uh, bring a, short, a message for you tonight. It's very, very simple. I want to just challenge you to think about what is in your hand. What has God given you? What has God entrusted to you? We understand that God has a destiny for every person. Every person born into this world, you are a spirit being that lives forever, and God has an eternal destiny for you, but you have to choose to connect a line with God. You have to choose that. If you choose to align with God, which means that you choose to respond to Jesus Christ, have a relationship with Him through faith, then what happens is you begin to walk out a destiny which then goes on for eternity with God. It starts here with your walk with him, goes on for an eternity with him. But if you choose to just say no or do nothing, your eternity is one without God on the earth. And without God in eternity, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a, a, an eternity of hell. And we don't want to have that happen. We want to walk with God. And I just thank God we've got a great church of young people just love God and love to walk with him. Let me just show you just a few simple things I want to share with you. The really I want you to have a look here in... Uh, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. Exodus 4, 1 and 2. Moses answered and said, suppose they won't listen to me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. In verse 3, he said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground, became a serpent, and Moses ran away. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. He reached out his hand, caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Verse 17, you will take this rod in your hand and do signs. Verse 20, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Here's, I want to share with you some simple, simple keys. Number one, here's the first key. Right, you need to discover what God's put in your hand. You need to discover what God has given you. If you're going to fulfill your destiny apart from having a relationship with God, we need to discover what God has put in your hand. Now, Moses was a man with a call of God on his life. He started off, and there was a call of God to become a deliverer. God foresaw uh, years of trouble and difficulty, trial and slavery for the uh, people of Israel. And so he said, I'm going to do something about it. When God wants to do something about anything, he uses a person. So no he's complaining about the community. If God wants to do something about it, he uses a person. He wants to use someone just like you. In fact... You have a circle of people that you know, a circle of people which you be called your circle of influence. God wants to send you to them to do something that will impact their lives. They have a desperate need. And God has a need too. See, their need is a need to have purpose and direction to be connected with God and begin to discover why they're here and fulfill it. But God's need is for someone to represent him. God's needs for someone who will go on his behalf. So here's this man, Moses. He's got a call of God on his life. And he, finally, after all these years, he has he's, there's a miraculous uh, provision for him. He's raised in the Pharaoh. He's raised in the center of Egypt. He's raised as a prince. He's raised and trained in military strategy, raised and trained in the law, raised and trained as a military commander. And, of course, in doing that, he went through military school. He had to fight battles. He became a well-known military commander. Commander, and yet inside him he was not satisfied. If he just did nothing, he would have ended up in charge of Egypt. 
All he had to do was just to wait until the Pharaoh had died. But something was in him. You see, there's something in him, something deep inside him. I was made to deliver people. I was made to do something that would impact people. And one day he saw the soldier beating up on this Israeli guy and something in him rose up and he got angry and he killed that man. And he thought, and you know, he felt a mixture of things. One, he was very angry. And two, he actually felt something of destiny tugging at his heart. Called to make a difference. Called to deliver someone. Called to get him out of drugs. Called to get him out of alcohol. Called to get him out of their abusive situation. He felt destiny calling him to do something, except he didn't know how to do it. So he did the best he could. And what he'd been trained to be was a soldier. So pulled out his sword, whacked the guy to the ground, killed him. That's all he knew to do. Doing God a favor, you know. Killed the man. And, he, and the Bible says he supposed that people would understand he was going to be the deliverer. But when he looked down and he's got a soldier on the ground, he's just murdered him, he's in deep trouble. Now remember, what's in his heart is a call of destiny, but the problem is what's in his hands a sword all covered in blood. Now here, what happens is he, he's, he flees out of Egypt, he goes into the desert for many years, and while he's in the desert, he has about 40 years, now he's, he's 80 years old, you know, and he's got long hair, long clothes, he's been out, he's had the hard life in the desert sun, and then finally, he has an encounter with God. He sees this bush alight, which is not uncommon, but he just never burned up. And he realizes something supernatural. He was drawn to the supernatural. You know what drew him to the supernatural? Destiny drew him to the supernatural. He knew inside him, he's called for something more than just being in the backside of a desert, just looking after a heap of sheep. Something in him says, I was made for more than this. You were too. You've got that in you too. You're made for more than what you're doing. Of course you are. Of course you are. So, see, so he was drawn by the supernatural. That's why we want to have an atmosphere of worship, an atmosphere of the presence of heaven. Why? Because it stirs destiny in your heart. It stirs something in you. And you know you're made for more than this. You're made for more than what the others around you are doing. You're made for something in the call of God. Now get what God says to him. It's a great revelation. What are you holding in your hand? What a strange thing for God to ask you. It's like, you know, you finally had this great encounter with God. And then, and there's this presence of God there. And God, you're waiting, waiting, waiting for the big thing from God. What are you holding in your hand? Cell phone. You understand? Now, listen, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's the most stupid question asked, really, when you think about it, naturally. But actually, this is what God is asking him. He's saying, look at your hand and what you're holding and think about your life, what you've become. What is it that you have? What gifts has God given you? What does God put into your life? And as he looked, he saw he had a rod. Interestingly enough, it was just an ordinary rod, a stick. And you know what they use it for? He'd use the stick. If there's any wild animals come and deal to the sheep, what he would do is he'd use the stick and use the stick... And, and he could knock out animals, and uh, he could he did very good with that stick, you say. Didn't have a sword anymore, and has just got a stick. He'd been a bit reduced in stature, and just got a big stick. And so, but the stick was used to protect sheep. The stick was used as a rod to count the sheep. The stick was used to protect them. And see, the, the stick was used in his hand. It was just an extension of what he was doing. He was just shepherding. 
Now, God has put in the hand of every person some kind of gifts and some kind of ability. And when God said, what is in your hand? He made him look at what he had, and what he had in his hand looked nothing. How could anyone with a rod of a shepherd change and make a na- How could they make a nation like Egypt bow down and let go a nation? How could you do it? The answer is you can't. What it needs is God to take the ordinary and put his hand on it and make it special. See? And so what is in your hand? It's what is in your hand. What is in your life? What gifting you have? God wants to put his hand on your hand and make that something special that will touch people powerfully. You see, so often what we're doing is we're looking around for a great experience or a great supernatural vision. Now, he had that, but what he needed was to take what he had and make it available for God to use. Don't wait. Everyone is your young person. You tend to look and compare yourself and everyone else looks more attractive and they're more gifted, every other kind of thing like that. Listen, what do you have? What giftings do you have? What passions do you have? What abilities do you have? What do you have that God has put into your life that he could take and use to touch the lives of others. You've got to discover that. See, I know what he put in my hand. I know what he put in my life. And some things I didn't know early on, but I found them a little later on. You've got to discover what God has put in your life. One of the great challenges you have as a young person is to discover the gifts that God has put in your life. One of the great challenges that a parent has is to help children or young people or uh, young adults to discover and develop the giftings God has put within them. Not to try and make them be something they're not, but to discover how has God designed this person. God has designed you uniquely. And you see, the problem is you get in a teen culture that it tries to conform you so you're all the same. But how can you be all the same? You might all look the same, but the one thing you can tell is you're not all the same. A little bit of DNA testing, everyone's different. A bit of fingerprint testing, everyone's different. You're different. You are different. Tell someone next to you, you're different. I'm glad. I couldn't stand another me. Only room in this world for one of me. It's true. There's only room in this world for one of me. And there's only room in this world for one of you. There's only one of you being made. God threw away them all. See, so you discover what you've got that's unique. You say, well, I don't know what I've got. Well, that's where you've got to begin to start to look and to think and explore and try a number of things. So what is it that God has given to you? One of the things that is involved in fulfilling your destiny, you must discover what God gave you. Some people are great at cooking. Some people are great at sewing. I'm useless at any of those kind of things. Some people are great at fixing things. Some people are great with electronic things. You know, for all you know, they pulled it apart. Well, I can pull it apart. I can never get it back together again. There's always bits left over, you know. See, some people are great at that. And, and other people have got gifts with animals. They can make animals do almost anything. Me, I just get them barking or growling or snarling. You know, I'm not so hot at them. And other people have got different kinds. Everyone's got giftings of some kind. Some can really sing beautifully. Some, some are very creative. Some are artistic. And the dilemma is the world tries to make everyone just the same. God wants you to know you're unique. Find your uniqueness. That's God's gift to the world. Think about that. So discover. Your first thing is discover what God has given you that's quite unique. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to develop what God has given you. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. Develop what God has given you. Discover it then develop it. So have a look and see, ask yourself questions. What do I like? What don't I like? What am I good at? What do people say I'm good at? What, what seems to work? What is it I'm naturally drawn to? 
I was naturally drawn to making bombs and rockets. You know, but that's not a very constructive thing, very destructive. Once I become born again, I, well, I did almost lost most of that. I had discovered I could do other things as well. Eh? But there was a passion in there. And then I found as time went by and I developed the giftings I had, I realized then why I had passions in certain areas. Destroy the devil. I love to come into a place, not with a bomb, come in with a Holy Ghost move and see God move and people come out screaming. Wonderful. You can't believe how exciting that is to me. Before I used to get excited about a bomb going off around the back of the toilets at St. John's. I used to, just, I used to love it. Just love it. And I'd, I'd be standing next to the priest when it went off. I had a perfect alibi. Oh, I was with Father so-and-so. Wasn't I? <laughs> you know, and I, I lit the bomb. I had a trail of a fuse in there, you know. So, but... We need to discover what God has given us. Eh? So now I like to set things off. So everywhere I go, I like to stir up stuff. And you can guarantee any church I go into, I'll stir stuff up. There will be things happen when I get into a church. I just love to do it. It's like God puts something inside me. Boom, make it blow up. And build it up as well. But it's, it, there's, a, there's a passion to shift and change things. It's a passion to teach, instruct, and power. But it took me a while to figure out all of those things. And it takes, sometimes it takes you a little while. Here's the second one. Then you need, to de- you need to develop what you've got. Now, here's a story in 1 Kings chapter 17 of Elijah. And Elijah's a man of God. And now they've got a, a, a famine in the land, which he brought about. And, of course, what happens eventually, he runs out of food and water. In verse 8, 1 Kings 17, 8. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Rise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there, Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose and he went to Zarephath, and then he came to the gate of the city, and indeed a widow was there. And she was sitting depressed, doing nothing, waiting for death to come. Does it say that? It doesn't say that, does it? What was she doing? She was gathering sticks. She was busy. She was busy. She was busy. You try and find someone in the Bible that was really doing nothing when God really drew them to do something for him. It doesn't happen. God likes people who are doing something. She had every reason. She was in a place where there's no benefit. She lost her husband. She's in a place where there's a famine in the land. Everything is very difficult. She has very little resources to go on. But she refused to sit down and complain and be negative and say, It's all hopeless. You just don't know how bad it is. She refused to feel sorry for herself. She refused to sit down. What she did was she was busy with the opportunity that she had. Most people think miracles just turn up. Miracles turn up to those who've been preparing. Miracles turn up to people who've been preparing. Have a look at this. It said, look what it tells us here in these verses here. It says, God has, he said, I have commanded. So God has already planned ahead for Elijah's provision. Interesting thing is, God sends people into our life who can help us. God sends people into our life who have a word for us. But I, I find you've got to be busy doing something. You need to actually be productive. You need to be doing something with what you have. You see, the interesting thing is that most people never develop what they've got. I mean, there'll be heaps of people here. How many people here got some kind of recording device that can record programs off the television? How many people got one? Oh, you got one at home. Okay, that's good, good, good. It's not a trick question. How many actually do record stuff off there? (laughs) How many haven't got a clue? You just actually ask someone else to do it for you. (laughs) Now we're getting there. Okay, now you see what it is. It says that we can actually have potential to do things 
and then never actually learn or discover or develop how to do it. So you, there you are, you got the machine, you paid a few hundred dollars for it, and you still can't use it because you've never taken the time to develop the ability. It's much easier just to ask someone else, could you record that program? Now, it's the same with your life. You and I, must dis- we must not only discover what we've got that's unique, we need to develop it. We need to invest in it. See? Miracles come when there's been some preparation. You want God to use you mightily, you should be in preparation. How many would love God to be working through their life? Okay. How many would like God to be working greater? Yes. Okay. What are you doing now that is positioning yourself for that to happen? What are you doing now to develop what you have? You see, not, not only does God give you giftings, which it's your responsibility to discover them, he also requires that we develop what we have. To develop what we have requires effort, time, and sometimes money. So if you are musical, God wants to then use that gift, you, that musical aspect of you as a gift to people. But you've got to train and develop and spend time preparing and learning, get lessons. Don't just sing, oh, God will come on me and I'll just be really great. It sometimes happens, but not so often. Most of the time, you've got to go and get lessons and practice and buy new strings. And, you know, you do the hard yards when no one's listening. We've got a guy doing the hard yards behind us. He, he's, learn, he's learning the bagpipes. Learning. Learning. I had a chance to meet him. I said, I see you learning the bagpipes. He said, yes, can you hear? Yes. You ever thought of a mouth organ? <laughs> be much easier see so we've got to do something so god usually if we refuse to work if we refuse to apply ourselves then we don't necessarily see god working very much in our life you've got to make a decision you'll develop what you have see if you're at school right now you need to discover what you've got begin to develop what you've got develop apply yourself to the work you see you think oh, a lot of kids come up with this kind of stuff well i'll never use this in life well well done I've never used most of what I learned at university in life. But I'll tell you what I did learn, what I have done. I used the discipline and the character development and applied that everywhere else. And you see, what you find is a lot of people who will not train, will not apply themselves, will not stick at anything. They just flit here, flit there. What happens is they don't carry in their character what is needed to carry God moving in their life. You can never be great if your character's weak. Your character will always show you up every time. So we've got to develop what we have, see? So if, it's, uh, if, you, if you're interested or feel like you have a love for children, then do some training in how to work with children. Get involved in the, in the kids' church. Get involved in the preschool. Get involved and then line up and do some training and then discover what you've got. It's like you've got to actually do something. You don't sit around waiting for a big miracle breakthrough. You actually have to do something to develop what you've got. If you're going to find that you want God to use you in the faith area, then you need to study the Bible. You need to learn what God has to say about faith. You want to build great relationships, apply yourself, learn what God has to say about it. And that's when you begin to grow faith to see God move in it. But it requires something of us. It always requires something of us. It tells us in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, The soul of the lazy person is always wanting. He desires, but he has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. And now, your soul is your, your, that whole mind, will, emotion area. You see, so the soul of a lazy person always want, I want, I want, I'm never happy, never satisfied, not even enough. Is it, but you're always wanting, but he won't work. 
And you see, fulfillment comes as we apply ourselves with what we have. Most people are waiting for greatness, but greatness, we have to develop what we have. Here's the third thing here. So one, we discover what we have. Two, we develop what we have. Three, we need to distribute or sow what we have. Look in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Nearly finished. Just got one more thing. Mark 6. Look at this. Mark 6. We need to learn to distribute or to make available to others what we have or help them succeed with what we have. Okay, Mark chapter 6. We'll read it down. Look down there at verse 38. And we'll pick it up at verse 36. And the disciples said, send them away that they may go into the surrounding countryside to buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. And he said, no, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go and buy 200 whatever it is, worth of bread and give them something to eat. And he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. Actually, there was a young boy, probably a teenager or younger, and he was the one who had the supplies. Isn't that amazing? And he said, so he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. And they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he'd taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up into heaven, blessed broke and gave to his disciples to set before them and he divided the two fish and divided them among them all and they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish and those that had eaten were about 5,000 men let alone all the others that were there too and notice here that you have a young boy and he has within him the potential to be able to touch a whole crowd of 5,000 he doesn't he didn't even know it you see, what he had to do was he had to distribute. He had to make available what he had. Now, he could have, he'd have done what a lot of us would have done. It's mine. You guys didn't bring your lunch? Too bad. Go hungry. I bought mine. You know, and trigger off a riot with 5,000 people all fighting him for the one hamburger. You know? No, he didn't do that. He said what he must have done was made available what he had. And as he made available what he had, what he did was he took what he had and put it in the hands of of the Lord, or he put it in the hands of what Jesus was doing at that time. Today we put it in the hands of whatever God has got his hand on, whatever God is moving on. Starts with the local church and then people or places where God is working and we can see God is working. And it says Jesus did an interesting thing. He looked up to heaven because... When you look at what you've got, it seems very little. But when we access heaven's blessing on it, it's different. Jesus looked to where the source is that can make the little become much. And the second thing he did was he blessed or he spoke upon it creative words. God is able to take what you've got and impact far more people than you realize. But for it to happen, you've got to make it available to him. And you have to speak words of blessing over it. You've got to speak. Instead, a lot of people are very negative about their lives, especially young ones. Very negative, and they run themselves down, and their esteem is low. But listen, you need to learn to speak what God says about your life, what God says about your gifting, what God says about your provision. Speak over it and bless it. Speak that it will grow. When you sow money, don't just put money in a bag or give money just and just stick a lot. When you do it, take it and speak over it. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is a seed that will grow. My time, my talent, my labor will produce a harvest. We need to position ourselves with faith on these things. So when you come and do something, or you give something to God, 
Don't just give it and say, oh, I've, I've lost it now. Give it and pray over it and speak over it. It's your destiny you're speaking into. You're speaking into your future. So you have something to make available. What have you got to make available to God? What kind of gift have you got? Find it, develop it, and make it available to God. Find it, develop it, deploy it. Make it available to God. And then finally, we need to dream of bigger things. We need to dream of bigger things. The dream you have is your future. In Proverbs 28 and verse 18, Proverbs 28 and verse 18. Let's have a quick look into Proverbs and we'll finish here. Proverbs 28, no, 29, 18, sorry. 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29. You should know this one. It's a real, very, without a vision, people perish. Or without having a dream from God, we miss the opportunities of life. So we saw if we're going to fulfill our destiny, once we've connected to Christ, we need to discover what we have. We need to develop what we have. We need to distribute or make available for God's service what we have. And we need to dream. We need to dream. Your dream is your future. We need to begin to dream. Now, there's a big difference between a dream and a, a fantasy. A lot of people have fantasies. Huh? A lot of people have Who has fantasies? Now, come on. Now, you see, see, no one's admitting it. We all do, you know. You know, the guys have fantasies about driving a big car, you know, a big V8 car, or they have about a big motorbike, or, or about winning the game, or playing the, the final. Then they won, you know. So guys dream about all that kind of stuff. Girls have other kind of fantasies, you see. And, uh, and your fantasies are all about, you know, they're sort of romantic fantasies. There's a huge difference between a dream and a fantasy. See, we all have fantasies. We all have them. We all have them. It's where you go and you dream. And in your fantasy world, you can never be defeated. In your fantasy world, you're a hero. A winner. In your fantasy world, you beat everyone. You're invincible. That's in the fantasy world. It's a wonderful place to go. Trouble is, you may never come back. <laughs> you live in a dream. Oh, you're out of touch with reality. Fantasies go all over the place. Some people fantasize about all kinds of bad stuff. Eh? So fantasies. Fantasy has to do with your dream capacity, your imagination capacity. And so God has gifted everyone with a capacity to imagine. So you can imagine things. You can picture things. But that's a very important part of a God-given part of who you are because God wants to put into that, er that area where you fantasize and you dream about all the stuff, some of it good, some of it bad, some of it a bit dubious, some of it, oh, don't go there, and uh, uh, so that kind of thing. But some of, it's, it's all, some of it's a different kind of stuff. It's like I'm winning. I'm the hero. Yes. And you see, what happens, I found, is when you're going through a lot of pain in your life, you can escape into a fantasy world. It becomes a place you go to retreat from real things. Now, I was like that when I was growing up. I can't even remember growing up. I don't think I was there for most of it. I was away. God knows where I was. Away, I was away with the books. I used to read a lot. I used to go to the library. Man, I had a library two or three times a week. and just read like just chronic reader. I'd just get a book and read, read, read. Actually, what I was doing was finding another world to go out into. You know, identify with the characters, and, and in that world, you're a winner. 
when you come out of that fantasy, then you're in the, the real world. Uh-oh. Depressed. Painful. Don't know what to do. So fantasy is a place of escape from reality of life. So fantasy is never going to come about. It's just a place you go to escape facing responsibility and reality. However, what you're doing is you're misusing your dream capacity because God wants you to dream. He wants you to dream of great things. He wants you to dream of what could be. He wants you to allow yourself to become entwined with him and to dream. So you begin to start to experience God-given dreams. See, a, a fantasy leaves, it's a place of unreality. A fantasy, well, it's a fleeting thing. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But a dream, it's like something that grips you and you have to pursue it dream of being of representing New Zealand, a dream of playing in the, in the, in the World Cup, a dream of uh, being a champion at something, a dream of being a singer, a dream of, of succeeding in death, whatever it is, eh? you need a dream. Your dream will be your future. No dream, you're drifting. You're drifting or you're dreaming about the great things God has called you to do and to become. What do you do? Or you're having little fantasies. Watching days of our lives or some other kind of rubbish. And, ah, ah, isn't he lovely? Oh, isn't he gorgeous? Hey, listen, that's a lot of nonsense. Get out of that realm, you know. That's not a good place to go. Girls, don't go there. No guy is like those guys. It's an illusion. The whole TV world, video world, it's an illusion. The real men aren't like that. They're like Steve. <laughs> see? Hey? See, real people, see, have a look around. These are real people just here, just around you, see? You see, the guys get into fantasizing too. They go fantasize about the ideal girl. God, there's none like that. Only in covers of magazines. And they're not real. They've been painted up and touched up with a computer. And then you see their lives falling apart. It's unreal. It is totally unreal. Remember, I remember when Britney Spears was the great thing and everyone was, oh, oh. And the young ones were singing her songs and doing all this stuff. Now look, that's real. The other was unreal. The other was an illusion that they put out to get your money. See, so, so don't ever get caught. Don't ever stay in the realm where you don't understand the difference between fantasizing and dreaming with God. God wants you to have dreams. See, I'll give you one more verse and then we'll finish up with that. It says in Proverbs 28 verse 19, the one who tills his land. Now this is an NIV, not in the other version. I don't know what you've got up there on the screen right now. It doesn't matter. Here it is. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but the one who follows or chases fantasies <laughs> will have poverty enough. So if, you're a, if you are a person given to fantasy, you need to repent and come back to reality. Probably you need some healing inside you to get you back to reality and get you out of that dream world. And then you need to begin to start to engage God and allow your mind. You've got to cleanse your mind from those pictures. If you've been stuck in all kinds of negative pictures, of pictures of abuse and things that have been in your background, you've got to actually apply the blood of Christ for cleansing. You've got to work on your mind imagination so it becomes a place where dreams can rest, dreams from God. When you close your eyes, what do you say? Weird, wild things? Or do you begin to be at rest and you can start to 
catch impressions of the Spirit of God and they become the dreams of your future. And you see, all of us need to have that. All of us need to have that. So if you're going to fulfill your destiny after you've joined to Christ, you need to discover what has God given you. That's what makes you unique. We need to develop what God has given us. That means you've got to roll your sleeves up, work and pay the price of developing and becoming good at whatever you can do. Then we need to distribute. We need to take what we've got and give it to others, make it available for the work of God. Then we need to dream, to dream of the bigger things that God has ahead for us. Write the dream down. Write it down. Write some steps down for it. Begin to get the dream out in front of you. 